Let me begin this morning <clears throat> with an explanation of what we're going to do today. Uh, there are three thoughts, basically, that are roaming around in my head. I'm going to try to lasso them together. But this, this has to do with the, uh, the theme of battling and, and participation in the battle. So the three themes are, one, it's about honoring the soldiers, the tribute to the soldier. But the idea that there is a battle that we are all engaged in. And the third thing I'm going to be talking about is Hong Kong. And moving over there in that battle that I'm going to be entering into. But uh, the reason why this week I went back to some of these old hymns. How long has it been since you've whistled when Johnny comes marching home? A long time. And how many, uh, uh, the battle hymn of the Republic every now and then comes up. But, uh, but I'll tell you what prompted this for me was, I was reading a book this week uh, by A.K.M. Adams. It was on interpreting scripture. And uh, I won't spend a lot of time on that book, except that he is uh, trying to help people understand the Bible in a postmodern era. And he's a theologian, he's a priest, he's a scholar, he's... Lots of things. But his point was this that caught me off guard. The first chapter, I thought, he says, if you are doing biblical theology, stop. You're beating a dead horse. You don't need to go back into the past because we are now in a postmodern society. And this distillation is a real, is a, is a greatly reduced, but here's his point. Uh, his, his argument was this. Our technology and our understanding of medicine and where we are in our culture is vastly, vastly superior to anything in the past. Therefore, what we're dealing with now with the superior technology is, is wonderful. And two, that the standards have all changed because what people used to believe in the past, they no longer need to believe because our scientific mindset is advanced us to a new knowledge level. But then he goes on to say that the, the stories that we all tell are now so meaningful on a personal level that you can't take a Bible, a text, and find meaning in the text because it's going to be adapted and interpreted. Therefore, Therefore, it's not the text that's important. It's your interpretation of the text, your interpretation of your experience that's more important. And finally, he said this, that jolted me. He says, in my paraphrase, this, you can skip history. You don't need to go back to the past because we are now in a postmodern society where if you're going to be a theologian pastor today in this society, cut off and sever all the things from the past because we have to recreate and start anew with a brand new theology in a postmodern world. It threw me for a loop. I thought, you've got to be kidding. But he's very serious, and, and a lot of people are. They've thrown away the basics of the scriptures. And, and yet, over and over again, you hear um, how the Bible invites us to remember the past, to, to look to the rock from which we were hewn, to, to ask for the ancient ways, to go to the, to the Lord and to meditate on what he has written in Scripture so that we don't forget. But this guy's saying, cut all of that off. 
And let's start afresh. We are now in the postmodern world, which means there is no truth, there is no authority, there is no meaning except for what you create in and of yourself. Well, <clears throat> that riled me a little bit. I thought, he's got enough evidence to make you believe it, but you will be led astray from the devotion to Christ if you follow the postmodern thinking. So that was in the back of my mind. And then I thought about, this is Memorial Day. And then I thought, how much of my thinking has cut off the past when it comes to thinking about war? And in my understanding of war, I don't think about the Civil War. I don't think about the Spanish-American War. I don't think about the wars that have gone on uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. I don't think about Joshua and the war that he fought. I don't think about all the thousands of Christians of believers who have died from, from, uh, from Joshua to Judges and on through the ages, <clears throat> whether it's individuals like uh, David or uh, fighting Goliath. Or, but the Bible's filled with ideas that people are fighting battles, and we forget them. We forget them. So it's just kind of an ancient history lesson that doesn't kind of really mean much to a postmodern man or woman. So I was thinking about that in terms of Vietnam. Because my son, Matthew, has no concept of what Vietnam was all about. And yet that was a war of our generation, Desert Storm for another generation. Then there'll be other wars coming. But the idea <clears throat> that came to mind when Johnny comes marching home, when, when uh, this song was written, it was to celebrate the longing and the, re the reconnection of a soldier coming home. The old church bells will peal with joy. Hurrah, hurrah. To welcome home that daring boy. Hurrah, hurrah. The village lads and lassies, they will scatter roses by the way. And we'll all be there when Johnny comes marching home. There was a time when, when soldiers came home, it was a time to celebrate. There was a triumph, but there, war was over. It was a gladness. And yet, over and over again, we just see that a lot of soldiers who came home from Vietnam didn't get those hurrahs. And a lot of soldiers come home today probably know more about war. And as you think about their experience, what they've gone through, those soldiers who've seen violence and destruction know the power of sin and the, the man's animosity to other men. What they've done in war, no other, no other person prays for peace like the soldier. And though the soldier, <clears throat> he must suffer and bear the deepest wounds and the scars of war. Now you and I, I, I don't make the presumption that I know war. I can't. I've never had that experience. But I come from a family that's a military family. My, my dad fought in the Korean War, which I don't know a whole lot about, actually. But my brother fought, my da brother Dale fought in Vietnam with two tours of duty in the Marines. Uh, Wayne served in, the, in Germany in the Army. He didn't go to Vietnam, but my other brother, 
Lonnie did, he did reconnaissance work and he showed these pictures of helicopters that would be downed in the jungles and he'd have to go out and pick them up. And an 18-year-old boy would jump into the helicopter, the bubble was shattered, and he'd, he'd, take, he'd take this picture, Joe, and he'd take they were just teenagers, young men, not knowing all that's going on to war. But when my brothers came back from Vietnam, let me tell you, they were scarred. They were wounded. Because <clears throat> if you've been in war, you know the horrors of war. And so not everybody comes marching home. Not everybody gets to hurrahs. For that reason, I'm going to talk about Doug. My friend Doug, <clears throat> in the 173rd Airborne, he's been, he's been more places and has more stories about war. and He has PTSD. He's the one that had the heart attack. Uh, or the heart transplant. And I've befriended him, and he shared with me things I thought, thank God for our soldiers. But to pray for them, because they have suffered, and suffered deeply. <clears throat> this is a notebook that Doug gave me. This is from the Veterans Hospital in Dayton. This is, PT, this is his PTSD course to get through his trauma. He's 73 years old. You figure it up, 18 years going into service, 50 years of trauma. He suffered. And Doug is not alone because the other men that I know who are hidden men, men who've given their lives, sacrificed more than you realize. The battle continues. The man in the arena, the man in the arena is a, is a quote by Theodore Roosevelt. <clears throat> and as he, uh, as he talks about um, people comment about war, he says this, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong, how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of the deeds could have been done better. But the credit goes to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by the dust and the sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But he who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in the worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he falls, at least falls while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never know victory or defeat. Those soldiers who've been actively involved in the heat of war. Well, they gave more than their lives than you and I did. But they also won things for us that you and I never fought for. Our freedoms, our values, our rights, our whole country. And therefore, you've got to understand that it's not just our recent soldiers, but a whole list of soldiers who have brought us to this place today 
where the postmodern man can say, heck with you all. I don't care about what you've done. I'm going to ignore all of that and move into this world. How crazy, how crazy this world is. And yet these men and women serve with honor because they live with a purpose, because they honor a constitution that defines our nation. And they live with a cause greater than themselves. This is a tribute to the soldier. The true soldier fights not because he hates what's in front of him, uh, because he loves what is behind him. I love that quote. People fought for you and they didn't even know you. People that you don't know have risked their lives to give you what you now enjoy. And yet I know so many men who don't get an amen. But we want to say to the soldiers, we're proud of you. You've done a good fight. And God knows what you've done. And we want to say thank you. Because not only have you fought, but you've suffered. And you may continue to suffer. And you know those who do. And we do want to, we do want to say thank you. So for the soldiers and those in military service, would you come out? Dave, come back. I want to have a word of prayer for you. Would you please stand up? If you've served in our country's military armed forces, would you please stand? That's you, Bob. Bill, Jim. We want to tell you that your decision to serve us that you made long ago, we still honor you. And we bless you for that. Let me pray for you. Father, these men have gone through hell. But they're a band of brothers that others can't understand. But I thank you for these soldiers who've dedicated their lives to provide that freedom that we, we enjoy. And Father, for the men in this church, I, I pray, Jesus, that you would multiply them 30, 60, and 100 fold, that their character and their commitment, their example, will be picked up by the rest of us of what it means to be a soldier actively involved in war. But Father, thank you for these men. Thank you for their safety. Thank you for the comrades and who've lost their lives, and we will see them in glory. But Father, I pray that you would just continue to support and love each of these men here and their families as they've gone through things and will continue to go through things um, with your help. Thank you for bringing them here to this church and letting us know their service. So we ask you to bless them now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. The Bible talks a lot about warfare. It talks a lot about spiritual battles. And that's why in Ephesians, as we looked at, you've got to be strong in the Lord if you're going to walk in this postmodern world because you're going to get attacked. Uh, Paul says that we don't fight with flesh and blood. We fight in the forces of spiritual darkness. And because we don't recognize that there are spiritual forces, we may not even be in the battle. And Paul also goes on to say that we, we, we fight these things with divine weaponry, that we're going to take captive every thought of disobedience. 
And there was two things that I came across this week that were kind of unusual. I never paid attention to this, but there are two names, Epaphroditus. I thought it was necessary to send you Epaphroditus. Notice, he says, he's my brother, he's my fellow worker. Epaphroditus is my brother, my fellow worker. And notice what it says, fellow soldier. I never saw that before. Fellow soldier, who's also your messenger and minister to my need. To Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and to Aphi, our sister, and to Archippus. Oh, our fellow soldier. Didn't get that on there. Archippus was also a fellow soldier. Who fights with you? Who's fighting with you? Or are you a lone soldier on a hill by yourself? Paul said to the Colossians, I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. Paul was a man who struggled with you, for you. He was in the battle with you. And yet so many people struggle alone. Doug does. I don't want him to do that. But here's what I want you to hear. And this is what I said to Doug. These are the wonderful messages from the scripture. He makes wars cease. If you are listening to the scriptures of old, you have a warrior king who's going to stop your war someday that the wars and the battles that we fight on a personal level or on a, on a collective level, God says in his word, to the ends of the earth, he breaks the bow and he shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Our God is going to go after those who are in conflict. And Isaiah, the prophet comes along and says, and many peoples, many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his way so that we may walk in his paths. For the, law, for the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And then he will judge between the nations and he will arbitrate for many. He will make these decisions in the midst of disputes. Our God is a warrior king. And many people will come to our king and learn the ways of God. The ways of God are not the ways of war. They're the ways of peace the ways of forgiveness, the way of reconciliation. For God is not interested in battles for the battle's sake. He's interested in peace, for peace's sake. And that's why Jesus would say before he went to the battle of the cross, these things I have spoken to you so that you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, you have warfare, but take courage. This is the mark of the soldier. The one who has courage. But he goes on to say in Isaiah 9, some very particular imagery here. Pay attention to this. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar that crossed their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire. Down to the soldier's attire, it will be destroyed because there's no need for war any longer. But as Christ uh, picks up this theme, I'm sure Christ read these words. In the, um, 
in the message, it says it this way. The abuse of the oppressors and the cruelty of tyrants, all their whips and all their uh, cudgels and curses is gone, done away with. A deliverance as surprising as sudden as Gideon's old vision. You forgot who Gideon is? The battle of Gideon? Old history. But they would take their soldiers and put them in bars and march them off in slavery. They were cruel. And yet, this is the, this is the picture when Isaiah says, every warrior's boot used in battle will be thrown in the fire. Why? The battle is over. The battle is over. And therefore, Jesus would say, let your heart take courage. Why? And you know this. You know this. I know you know this, but you don't make this connection. Why? Because of this verse. Because for you, a son will be given. A sign will be given. And this son, this sign, a child will be born. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace, God Almighty. That's our God. He's a warrior God that ceases war. Puts to death, death. Overcomes any battle and gives us the victory. What's amazing is that what we honor in our military soldiers isn't true for you because you are also, as a Christian soldier, involved in a spiritual battle. Therefore, you need to know we serve a warrior king who is going to destroy destruction, defeat, death. And therefore, I leave you with this, the last part, the vision, as we move as a church family, as CBC, as a kingdom people, we are involved in a battle. Not only for the postmodern world, but for the battle for the truth. That's why we sing the battle hymn of the Republic. But we are a family. And we are called to share the good news of Jesus Christ by calling others out of their battle into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We know that we are called to be disciples. That's our distinctives. We want to equip people. We train their hands for wars, David said. But we're going to invite them to loving relationships, to be devoted to Christ, to be devoted to fellow believers. Our desire is that we want to live the Great Commission. We want to live out the Great Commandment, fulfill the Great Commission, and be part of that great community. And this is our invitation because as a witness to the Spirit of God working in our lives, we become witnesses to those in the middle of a battle. And so we can invite people. You don't have to fight that war. Christ will fight it for you. Third thing. Here's a battlefield. Look at this battlefield. This is Hong Kong. Seven and a half million people Seven and a half million people. How is God going to reach this people? How is he going to reach Chesterland? But this is a foreign land. This is missions, pure and simple. They're under another God, another battle of darkness. When you have Buddhism, 
And I've been to this place before. You walk up and you think, he's small. Our God is big. And our God is watching over these two. And so Emerson and Ivy have sent to me the note, there will be a convention on Friday night that I want you to pray for because there will be 28 churches invited and they're coming together and asking me to speak on enabling change. And I'm going to go to encourage these soldiers in their battle. If you don't know about urban ministries, if you don't know about Asian ministries, and you don't know about missions overseas in a foreign context, uh, you fight these battles by prayer. These are soldiers, as you are a soldier. So I'm going to go Monday and... Uh, I look forward to our time. There are two churches I'm going to visit, the conference, the convention. There are two drug rehabilitation centers, and then there is a Sunday school lesson in the park for kids, which I'm taking Stretch the Rabbit, and they'll enjoy that. But then I'm going to go to Japan, and again, Japan's another place where I've, I've seen the battle with Shintoism and Buddhism combined. But they live in a postmodern world and the no soldiers. So we need to raise up soldiers and laborers. And for that reason, I want to invite you to think, as we honor these men and women who served in our military forces, I want to honor you as you are invited to be involved as a soldier of Christ Jesus right here in Chesterland. So if you've never prayed, God, use me to fight the battles, to be a fellow soldier for my people around me. Use my life to really help people understand the hope that you're going to release people from the war that they're fighting. And that use me, God, to train my hands, give me what I need to be fruitful in my witness for you, to bring other people to Christ. That's what we're here for. That's what we're called to. That's what God calls glory. And so we are going to win this battle by the grace of God. And you're a part of it. And I'm glad to be a fellow soldier with you. Let's pray. Father, we want to be strong in you, knowing that you have always seen these battles from afar. You know exactly what, if it's not the external conflict that's going on, it's the internal conflict and certainly Satan would love to destroy us in our understanding that you are good. So Lord, we want to say that when we come marching home, we want to do it with a celebration, not just with a hurrah, hurrah, but to the praise and the glory of God. We want to celebrate the victories in this church where we take wounded warriors and wounded hearts and see you restore them in the kingdom. We are, we're interested in, in considering the needs of people but we're interested in saving the lost and bringing them to Christ. So Lord, would you use each of us as a soldier and we help us overcome those things that would keep us from being actively involved and not going AWOL. Father, again, build your church, equip your church to, to reach that kingdom glory and have other people know the hope that's ours in Christ. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.